Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Oh, it is so good to be in the presence of God, to be with one another. I am fired up for what God has for you today, so let's get in this. Yeah, some of you are fired up. You're like, yeah, let's go. I'm ready to get in. I want to read a sentence from an article from January of 2018 when UGA lost to Alabama. Here's the line. No applause was needed there. No woo required, Crimson Tide. Here it is. UGA linebacker Smith said, and quote, it just sucks and it's heartbreaking. There you go. I mean, losing that game was heartbreaking. How many of you have ever had a loss, a setback, sorrow, suffering? Hands up here across the campuses, 12 Stone Home, online community. How do you get through life without experiencing that? Of course you have. Now I'd like to read a sentence from January of 2022. Four years later, UGA has ended its four-decade drought. They are now national champions, having beat the Crimson Tide. It's time to celebrate. Woo! And of course, how many of you would say, oh yeah, I know what it's like to have some measure of success, some celebration, something's gone good in my life, let me see your hands. Well, of course you have. Somewhere in life, you know something of having wind in the sail, things having gone your way. And I have buckets of both in my life. And so we're going to have a rather raw and real biblical conversation about this thing of blessings or losses, success and sufferings, reaping what you sow, what is it you really deserve? And if you don't get a handle on this conversation, it can lead to such a cynical life. It causes so much mental health issues and anxiety and, and, and worry and, and angst in your soul. It undoes so much of your relationships and it, and it, it leaves an aloneness and it, it, it just it unravels the strength of your life. It is a, it's just joyless if you don't figure out how do you live in a world where all of that coexists. And God gives us insight through the life of Jacob in the Old Testament. And God gives us something of, of how this inner works through his life. But, but before we even get in, right off the top, let me just kind of almost set it up by looking at Jacob's experience. He had moments where he'd say, oh, blessing. In fact, this is literally the scripture of his father Isaac praying blessing over him. May God give you, Isaac, heaven's dew and earth's richness, an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. May be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. And Abraham inherits the covenant promise of God. Woo! That's like national championship territory. 
That is blessing. Yay, God. That you read the whole of his story, you find the other stuff. You find the suffering. Look some 20 years later. Joseph, my son, has surely been torn to pieces. And Jacob mourned. All his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will continue to mourn until I join my son in the grave. So he wept. Some 20 years after that, you find Jacob saying, everything is against me. That's just real life. And you know what seems true? That when, that when blessings are coming your way, it seems like God sees you. And he values you. And you matter to him. But man, when, when things aren't going your way, when you're losing, when it seems like everything's against you, then you wonder, does God even see me? Hey, that's the question today. Let's just put up, does God see me? Do, do I matter? Do I have value? Or am I just unseen in this world of so many? And by the way, that question, whether you know it or not, gets asked by all of us. Go back. How many of you parents can just acknowledge, hey, your kids are always doing the, do you see me? Watch me, watch me, watch me, mom and daddy. I mean, that's just parent. Isn't it exhausting? It's awesome and totally exhausting. So glad to be empty nester. Though now it's grandparenting, same thing. But, but just you got to show up to all the games. And what do they want? See me. Do you see me? Do you see me? They want attention. They want to know that they matter to you, that they're important. You go to their arts and their performances. And for our kids, it was karate and swim meets. And do you see me? I see you. I don't have a life. I see you. No, no, I have a life because I see you. I'm sorry. Sometimes it just it gets all discombobulated. But that, that's not just when you're a kid. When we usher into Genesis chapter 29 and 30, we find Jacob and Leah and Rachel. And they're asking the question, God, do you see me? Does God see me? Even their first 10 sons as adults, like, does God really see me? So we're going to jump into week 7 of 14. We're in this just delightful the Jesus Storybook Bible and it's serving as devotional on a weekly basis for thousands of families if you haven't jumped in jump in and then we're unpacking it and bringing it into the adult world so let's let's get into the the next story if we will so the girl no one wanted Genesis 29 to 30 although we'll move around scripture before and after there were once two sisters the youngest sister was very beautiful her name was Rachel but the oldest sister wasn't beautiful at all some thought her quite ugly and her name was Leah. Rachel was the kind of girl who always gets invited to parties and chosen for the team. Everyone loved her. And poor Leah, well, no one hardly even noticed her. One day, her cousin Jacob came to stay. He was one of Isaac's sons. And he was on the run. <laughs> Jacob had stolen and cheated and made some enemies, including his own brother. And now he was hiding. The funny thing is, Jacob, of all people, was the one God gave the special promise to. The same promise he had given his grandfather, Abraham. I will rescue the world through your family. But then, God chooses people 
we least expect, as we will see. And there's two things we're going to learn today. Let's, let's put them on the screen. I, I want you to see where the teaching is going today. Does God see me? And is God fair? Say it with me, everybody here across the campuses, 12 Stone Home, the, the online community, where everybody say this loud and proud. What are the two questions? Does God see me? Is God fair? And now I'd like to hear a little bit of fire. Okay, I'd like you care. You ready? Here we go. Let's do it again. What is it? Does God see me? Is God fair? Now, each one of those is almost its own whole question, but we're going to put them together. It's, it's kind of like... An Almond Joy, which is one of my favorite candy bars. By the way, do, how many of you like chocolate? Let me see your hands. How many of you like coconut? Because God does. How many of you like almonds? Then you love Almond Joy. Now, when I was growing up, there was a little ditty that went with this. Uh, here's how it goes. With Almond Joy, you can share half and still have a whole. Did you ever learn that? See, here's how it works with Almond Joy. It's really two whole candy bars together in one. One whole, but two holes, two halves, whole and a whole. Wow. It's like today's teaching. Do you see me? Is God fair? Two completely different and wholly integrated questions. Now, here's what I discovered. When I was growing up, mom says, you just got to have enough for everybody and then I bought this, and I'm like, yeah, I, I don't have enough for everybody. I can't do it for the friends online, other campuses, et cetera. And then I found out before the service started that, uh, that Travis doesn't like Almond Joy. And I thought, well, you know what? Then I can use Travis to distribute them because you'll actually get them. So, Travis, come on up here. And if there's anybody that wants an Almond Joy, and that'll give you a little pick-me-up during the service, he'll just throw it to you while I'm teaching. Now, see if you can stay in the teaching while we have a little almond joy kind of moment. The first part is, does God see me? You want to know if Travis sees you right now. So give it your best shot. Obviously, I'm going to lose the room. Does God see me? The Bible shifts from the one to the many. In fact, let's look at this together. We'll kind of lay it out on the screen so that you can follow where the teaching goes. Abraham, God's chosen, the man of promise, and God fulfills the promise, gives him a son, Isaac. But Isaac, the one, is the one who gets the promise, and it transfers from Isaac to Jacob. And now Jacob is the one, and you see this one, one, one. But what we're about to do is watch Scripture go from the one to the many, from the one to the many. This starts to spread now, so we get to the whole of the nation of Israel, and it's called Israel because Jacob's name was changed to Israel. So where did Israel get their name? From Jacob, his, J his name was changed to Israel. And then Israel's sons became the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel. And if you've never seen it before, I just identified for you who the 12 tribes are. Reuben, Simeon. Now, when you come to Levi, one of the sons of Jacob, he was not considered one of the 12 tribes because they became the priests of the Lord. And so they were distributed, if you will, as priests all across. Judah, Really important. We'll come back to that later. And so you go down the list. And when you get down to Joseph, there's no tribe of Joseph. But Jacob, name changed to Israel, 
adopted Joseph's two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And so they became tribes. Joseph became two tribes through those two sons down to Benjamin. And so each one identified with their tribe, like Moses was from the tribe of Levi. He was among the priests. Joshua was from Ephraim. He followed Moses. Gideon was from Manasseh. And the Gideon story is like an anchor story for 12 stone. That's why we have the bronze statue in the central campus. And then King Saul, the first king, is from the tribe of Benjamin. And then King David is from the tribe of Judah. Judah, really significant role. We'll come back to that later. And so as it goes from the one to the many, when you're just one of many, you wonder, does God see me? Do I still matter? Do I sit inside something of the plan and the purpose of God? Does he still value me? And they were asking. And God's answer every time. This is God's answer every time. Is, well, of course I do. You know, back in the day, one of many at the time of Christ, there was about 150 to, to 300 million people. On my birth year, 1961, they guesstimated there were about 3 billion people on earth. Now, about 7.7 billion people. And in a world of everyone trying to get attention, do I matter? Does God see me? Do I have value? Or am I just lost in the crowd? And God says to us again and again, of course I see you. You're not lost in the crowd. Jacob wondered. He didn't like being the second born to Esau twins. And so he stole and cheated to try and get ahead. And yet God graciously came and visited upon him, gave him blessing. He said, oh, I see you. I see you. And Leah wondered. Oh, I'm not loved and I'm not valued and I'm not, I'm not seen like others. And, and, and God, do you see me? And God said, oh, I see you. And not only gave her sons, but one in particular, Judah. And again, we'll come back to that. Super important in the biblical story and to all of us. And Rachel can't have children. God, do you see me? And he blessed her with children. I see you. And the 10 sons, do you see me? Because our father doesn't see us. Jacob has a higher value to, to, to his son Joseph and Benjamin. He doesn't love us first ten like them. And they're jealous. And, and they do the deceitful thing. And they, they betray. And they lie to their father. And, and yet, God, do you see us? And God later graciously rescues them from famine, restores the family, and says, yes, I see you. In fact, Jesus would say it this way to all of us. As he said to his disciples, look at Matthew as he sends his disciples out and he says, now I want you to go out and witness, be fearless, but I want you to know God sees you. You're not just one of many. He says, are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. Wow. You're not just one of many. Your heavenly father, not just God, your heavenly father, intimate. Now he sees when the sparrow falls and you think nothing of a sparrow falling. And that never happens without God's care. Your heavenly father is so intimately seeing you that he has all your hairs counted. That's rough math, isn't it? 
I mean, they need to give you a moment after the shower. If you see, see the hairs go down the drain, you see God up there. What's that? How many? Minus 10, 23. How do you keep up? It's in the sink. You blow dry your hair. It's everywhere. God's keeping up with this. Not a hair of your head falls, but that God isn't keeping up the math. Listen, he sees you. And that should give you comfort. It should give you what? Comfort. When you figure out how intimately God is invested in you and that he sees you down to the minute detail, then you find your identity in the living God. Get it settled. And you won't have to chase empty things in this world for your identity. Thanks be to God. He sees us. Amen. Now, that's the first half. But we've got the other almond joy. We just had one. Let's get to the other. Here's what happens. As soon as you figure out God sees you and it's comforting, what you equally figure out that Jacob figured out is he not only sees you, he sees all of you. He sees you all the time. He sees all your thoughts, all your decisions, all your behaviors in the dark and in the light. Everything good, bad, and ugly. And all of a sudden, what was comforting is uncomfortable. Oh. See, when we say, is life fair, what we're really asking is, am I really getting what I deserve? And the question no longer becomes, does God see? It's, do you see? Do you really see? Are you being honest? Do you understand how the interchange of all of this works? When we, when we say, is God fair? <laughs> uh, do we have a right understanding of how all of this, what I deserve, comes together? So, let's have that conversation, shall we? Let's talk a little bit about, is God fair? I tried to find a way to put this in perspective, and I think this is what Jacob would teach us. So I'm going to enter into the three truths that are kind of a triangle of tension. And guys, help me with this. I think that Jacob and us, so that's you in the middle with Jacob are bouncing around. It's not just one thing. It's not just one answer. It's three all at the same time. In any given time, it's more one of these than another. And if you're a note taker, you got to get this done fine, down fine. But here's, I think you live in this triangle. And I think sometimes God's blessings are more than we deserve. I think sometimes God's blessings are more than we deserve. And that's just the truth of experience. I don't deserve it. And God's gracious and I get more than I ever should. I think other times you're bounced around in a world where often we get what we deserve. It's a, it's a what you sow, you reap. And in this reap and sow world, the truth of the matter is sometimes you're getting exactly what you deserve. And other times it's that our sufferings come along, but they are far less than sin deserves. And, and so it's more than our sins deserve or less because suffering, that's legit. And we bring suffering upon ourselves with sin. And so at any given moment when good, bad or ugly is coming in your life and you're like, man, is this is this is this how it should be? Sometimes God's blessing you. It's more than you deserve. Sometimes it's exactly what you deserve. And sometimes you're not even suffering up to what sin is equal to deserve. 
hey, listen, there is a godly response to these. See, when there's blessing more than you deserve, be what everybody? Grateful. And often when we discover that you really do get what you deserve, then it's important how you choose in life. So be wise. Be what? Wise. It really does matter. And then realizing that our sufferings are less than our sins deserve. You should just be humble. And I want to walk us around this. I know it's not a simple answer. And sometimes you can't put truth into a tweet. Sometimes it's just a little bit more complicated than 144 characters. So let's unpack it thought at a time. God's blessings are more than we deserve. Let's tap into the life of Jacob. Watch this. Because for Jacob, many times, it's more than he deserves. God's blessings are more. Look at this scripture with me. Jacob had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. I swear I was so close to playing and she's buying a stairway to heaven just in the background of the reading. But I thought it would be sacrilegious. But just so you rock and rollers wonder, yeah, I was going there with his top priest in the heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And there above it stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. So now it's going to the many. This is, this is now going to the family. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. And you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. This is the coming Messiah promise. I am with you. Listen, Jacob, I see you. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Yay, national championship. Good stuff. Thank you, God. Bless me. But hang on. Did Jacob deserve that blessing? No. Do you, do you know what he did just before this? Do you know what the chapter before this is? Jacob being unsettled with being in second place to his older brother Esau deceives his father and steals his father's blessing. What? I mean, this, by the way, if you just wonder, can God use my family? Read Jacob's family. You're going to feel very comfortable with the possibility God could use you. I mean, you talk about dysfunction. Oh, my goodness. Jacob cheats. He does what? Cheats to get ahead. Hey, time out. Where are you cheating to get what you want? I mean, you just want it. So you're not going to take the long way. You're going to take a shortcut. You're just cheating. Were you cheating in school? Were you cheating in your job? Were you cheating in your character development? Were you cheating in your promises and then twisting the truth so that you just keep escaping being responsible to your word? Were you cheating by calling yourself a victim everywhere you go so that you don't have to own up and carry the duties and responsibilities of life? Were you cheating in your marriage? Were you cheating in being self-sacrificing for the sake of your family? Because that's what it needs to thrive. 
Were you cheating in your faith? Were you cheating God in your worship and honoring him with first fruits and tithe or offerings or serving him or worshiping him first? It's easy to justify cheating to get what you want. So here's how the story goes before he got blessed. <laughs> here's what's going on. When Isaac was, an old, was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see. Isn't that interesting? Now Isaac can't see. He's going blind. He called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, my son, prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. So here's Isaac setting up the blessing for his eldest son, Esau. It's called primogeniture is the actual term. It, 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 it's, it's the legal for right of succession. And Esau had the right of succession. He would have likely got in this case at this time in Near Eastern culture, two thirds of the inheritance. And Jacob would have got one third. And he got two thirds, not just so that he would be better off financially, but so that he would help carry on the clan and accomplish some things. And just Jacob didn't like this setup. And so Jacob's mom, Again, getting to the dysfunction of this family. Jacob's mom says, hey, let's go cheat your dad. Jacob says, hey, great idea. They decide together, let's go deceive dad. He's blind. He'll never figure it out. So you pretend you're Esau. So I'll help Craig cook a meal, and you dress up like Esau, so you smell like him, and then, and then you go to your dad's tent, and then, and then you wear goat hair because you're, you're soft, smooth-skinned, and, and, and your brother is tough, and he's, he's kind of like really hairy, and so your dad will touch you and smell, and he'll think it's Esau, and he'll give you the blessing. And once he gives the blessing, whoever received it, it sticks. And Jacob deceived. Do you understand? Jacob deceived. This should blow our mind. He deceived his father while his father was in the dark. And cheats so that he can get ahead. And he does get the blessing that we, we've already read. May God give you heaven's due and earth's riches. Blah, blah, blah. And then when Esau finds out that his brother stole the blessing and deceived, he's ticked. And now he's going to you know, go kill his brother. And then Jacob has to run away. And Jacob runs away to Laban. And while he runs away, he runs into God in the stairway to heaven. Listen, he did not deserve the blessing of God. What he deserved, he never got. And let's just be honest. A whole lot of the blessings you have in life are just because God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. You do not deserve the blessings of God. So a lot of times in our life, the only way we can explain where we are is because of God's blessings. Hmm. Second thought. Often, often we get what we deserve. I don't love all this teaching. So Jacob travels, runs away because his brother's going to kill him and ends up with nothing, empty-handed, goes to his mother's brother's house, Laban, Uncle Laban. Uncle Laban has a couple of daughters, Leah, Rachel, he falls in love with Rachel, first one he meets, wants to marry her. There's a bride price. There's a lot of interesting Near Eastern culture and biblical history and the bride price and what's required. And he has no land and no money to pay for it. So he commits to work for seven years. And he's going to work for seven years for Uncle Laban in order to marry Rachel. Rachel is his chosen bride-to-be. He works for seven long years. And then they have a party and a celebration. And then it's late at night. And Laban brings his daughter to Jacob. And then it's dark. 
you know, this is, this is night and no electricity and apparently no noise and no talking during the night. Not enough for Jacob to figure it out because Jacob wakes up in the morning having consummated his marriage and it's Leah. And for him, that's a really bad morning. I mean, that was not what I was imagining all night. Have mercy on my soul. He is so ticked. He runs to Laban and says, it's not fair. It's just not fair. It's not what? Say it with me in a whiny voice, everybody. It's not fair. Ready? One, two, three. It's not fair. Uncle Laban, I did all this for Rachel. Not Leah. No wonder you cheated me. Nobody wanted to marry her. He said, well, you don't know our culture, but here we marry off the oldest first. Bad day. He says, so you want a Rachel? You can have Rachel too. But seven more years of work. Hang on. You talk about setback. This means 14 years of work and he owns nothing. Can't get ahead. I wonder, do you ever wonder I mean, this is a big day of loss. Man, he lost that national championship. Do you ever wonder, could Jacob see? Do you ever wonder that? Do you ever wonder, could Jacob see what he did? Like, like did Jacob actually look and think, so that's what I did. That's what I did to my father. He was in the dark. I was in the dark. Somebody took advantage of me and disadvantaged me while I was, oh, that's what it feels like. Wow, that hurts. Can you see what you do? Did he merely reap what he was sowing? Look at Galatians chapter 6. Don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, sows, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. And he'll have to, all he'll have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's spirit do the growth work in him, harvests a crop of real life, eternal life. I mean, this reap-sow thing, it's an agricultural picture that applies to all of life. And how often do we say it isn't fair when in fact it's entirely fair because you're getting exactly what you sow? I was at dinner. Marsh and I were at dinner with some some friends from out of town, they passed her another place. And it was the end of January and we're, we're having dinner and it was, it was really an awesome restaurant and awesome food. And the, I'll call him Todd. Todd said to me, man, I just, man, I, I was gonna, I was gonna be responsible. I'm trying to lose weight because I've gained 20, 30 pounds this past year and then over the holidays and it's, and it's just horrible. I'm but, but I'm not tonight, not based on what we're eating here tonight. I said, yeah, me neither. I mean, I gained over the holidays my standard 10 pounds between. I just know that as soon as 
Thanksgiving hits, Thanksgiving to Christmas to, to New Year's Eve and New Year's, I, I gain. Anyone else, I, do you want, anyone want to confess? Anyone want to confess? You know what I'm talking about. And when I get there, I'm like, it's just not fair. And then I try really hard in January to do the right thing. And it wasn't working because I was cheating. Um, because I did this Optavia thing and then I would honor it for like most of the day. And then only two or three times would I break it, which is why it doesn't work. And, and nothing works when you cheat. And I shortcut it and I don't understand why it doesn't work. It's, just, it's really exhausting. In fact, he and I got in the conversation. He's like, yeah, I said, there's too much stuff I like that's not helpful to me. He's like, like, what's your favorite snacks? I'm like, what? He said, you don't know your favorite snacks? I said, well, I don't snack as much as I eat Pringles. I love Pringles. He said, I can go and sit and watch a movie, watch a, a whole box, and then I can do a, 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 another canister of Pringles. I said, well, dude, at least you can explain your 20, 30 pounds. I said, me, I would do Swiss cake rolls. There is an anointing on this stuff right here. I said, and I grew up poor, and I have poor taste. I said, by the way, do you know, if you put those in the car, in the sun, all day, they will not melt. That's how special that chocolate is. Very special chocolate. And he'd do Pringles, and I'd do Doritos, and, and ranch, by the way. You know what the truth is? This thing lies to you. It, almond joy is not joy. Listen, it is joy when you sow and sorrow when you harvest. Come on now. You're either having joy when you sow and sorrow when you harvest, or you lay this stuff down and you have sorrow when you sow. It's called discipline. I hate discipline. Anyone? Come on, who's going to own it with me? How many of you hate discipline? Look around. Look around. How many of you hate discipline? The rest of you are liars. Absolute liars. But you're in a safe place. You can be forgiven. I hate discipline. But here's the thing. If you don't discipline yourself in life, life will discipline you. And so I got to lay down the almond joy if I actually want joy. There's no shortcut to fitness. But they sell them all the time. Jason Perry and I were talking. He said, you know what I wish my superpower was? I said, I wasn't asking, but no, tell me. He said, eat whatever I want and gain no weight. I said, that is the best superpower idea I've ever heard. I want it. Which, by the way, I think is what heaven will be. Galatians 6 finishes. So let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. At the right time, we will harvest a good crop if we don't give up or quit. Right now, therefore, every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. At the right time, we will harvest a good crop if we don't give up. So don't be fatigued in doing good. In other words, you're just going to have to figure out that we live in a world where you reap what you sow, and a whole lot of time you're getting exactly what you deserve, and it takes a lot of courage to own it, doesn't it? And by the way, that's not just negative, that's positive. That's also good news, which means if you make really good, high-level discipline decisions over a long period period of time, you get joy. Thanks be to God. A lot of time you get exactly what you worked for. 
Thank you, God, which motivates you to want to be wise. So I was making my own list of stuff, and I have those. We don't have any time for all this, but I'll, I'll, just, I'll just summarize examples. Got to be wise. Here's wise. Get over yourself. Tell your neighbor, get over yourself. Just do it nicely, but get over yourself. That's what the scripture in Galatians is saying. You got to care about other people, be about other people and get past yourself or that narcissistic all about me life that looks around and sees the problem everywhere else. But you, you will have the life that goes with it. And that is a sorrowful life. You know what wise is? Serve your spouse. Oh, this is going to sound dumb. Marsha's in the service. I don't say everything to her because she shouldn't know. We were leaving a store and walking, and her door was on the other side of the car. And they, like, I got to my door first. And I'm like, literally, it was all like, oh, go open her door. And I had a moment. I'm like, God, how often do I have to open her door? And the answer was like, every time. Because, because you can't have a strong marriage on weak sacrifice. And on our little enjoyment of Valentine's this past week, which is a cheat day, glory to God. We got a couple crumble cookies. I don't know if you've had those. It's about 20,000 calories a cookie. It's fantastic. I prayed for superpower so that it would not affect me. I took the two cookies, brought them home, cut them in half. I realized when I broke them, like one half was better than the other. I've been through this a thousand times in my life. I'm like, why didn't I do that better? And then I have to give her hers. And I like, I, why do I have this emotional? It's two bites different. And then I almost got a knife and just cut off the little soda. <laughs> I gave her the better half. Why? Because I like, it's wise. Marriage doesn't work for a reason. And it's in the little stuff. Budget, honoring God with first 10 and then living inside your means and prayer and what it's going to mean for us, even as a church, to gather together Holy Week before Easter. And we think seven nights of prayer, we had a prompt from God, and we need to honor him. And things like don't carry resentment. And I think in this post kind of pandemic season of life that there's a residual of almost emotional, relational PTSD. And, and there's a mess. And I'm going to pick that up next week and talk about that in the life of Joseph. I think the Spirit of God would give us wisdom. But here's what I think God would tell us. Sometimes the most deeply spiritual thing you can do is keep doing the right thing. Let me say it this way. Just a thought. Sometimes we pray for God to bless our shortcuts. Hang on. Sometimes we misunderstand this faith with God. And our prayer is God bless my shortcuts. But that violates his wisdom. So it's not a prayer he answers. You don't pray God bless my shortcuts. The most dominant prayer, perhaps in the last 40 years of my life, has been, God, give me wisdom and the strength to live it. Wisdom and the strength to live it. See, because sometimes what you're experiencing is exactly what you deserve. And it should motivate you to be wise. Final thought. Our sufferings are less than sin deserves. Next week, we'll pick up the story how the sons of Jacob turned on him. And it's a dramatic story. And Jacob thought he lost his 
son, Joseph. That's why the scripture we looked at at the beginning was this traumatic experience. Joseph, my son, has surely been torn to pieces and Jacob mourned. Why? Because actually his sons deceived him. Look, the sins of Jacob were chasing him. But Jacob didn't experience all of the loss and the suffering of sin. Sin is far deeper than that. Sin brings not just sorrow, but it brings disease. It brings physical death and eternal death. And in the midst of this, God was doing something profound through Jacob and Leah. Let's go back to our story from the Jesus Storybook Bible, where we pick up where we left off. No one loves me, Leah said. I'm too ugly. But God didn't think she was ugly. And when he saw that Leah was not loved and that no one wanted her, God chose her to love her specially, to give her a very important job. One day, God was going to rescue the whole world through Leah's family. Now, when Leah knew that God loved her in her heart, suddenly it didn't matter anymore whether her husband loved her the best or if she was the prettiest. Someone had chosen her. Someone did love her with a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. So when Leah had a baby boy, she called him Judah, which means this time I will praise the Lord. And that's just what she did. And you'll never guess what job God gave Leah. You see, when God looked at Leah, he saw a princess. And sure enough, that's exactly what she became. One of Leah's children's children's children would be a prince, the prince of heaven, God's son, Jesus. The prince would love God's people. They wouldn't need to be beautiful for him to love them. He would love them with all of his heart. And they would be beautiful because he loved them like Leah. You see, through the tribe of Judah came Jesus, the Lion of Judah. And we are never fully experiencing the suffering of our sin because he so graciously forgives us and offers us eternal life. If you don't know Jesus, that's why you would begin to say yes to him because he blesses you more than you deserve. And then even though many times you experience what you deserve, Never the fullness of the suffering of sin because he loves you. So as I turn the service over to the campus pastors, it should motivate you to think about what would it mean for you to be grateful? Maybe the spirit of God is saying that needs to become a new disposition in you. Maybe, maybe the prayer for you today is be wise. Where's God telling you to just stop wrecking your life and doing foolish or get back to the things that really matter? Or maybe, maybe it's just stay after the very wise things that God's already called you to do, but stop the shortcuts. Maybe it's just be humble, not cynical in your suffering, but humble, knowing what sin has done to the world. So campus pastors, if you just step up, leave us in prayer. And as they pray over you, you pray practically, oh God, guide me. 
Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.